Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I'm Gavin Emmett, and this is the BT Sport MotoGP podcast. Today, I'm joined by Keith Ewan and Colin Edwards here at the Saxon Ring in Germany, ahead of round nine of the season. Fellas, this is the halfway point of the season when we finish here at the Saxon Ring. Mark Marquez currently has a 24-point lead over second place Lorenzo, 42 points ahead of Valentino Rossi after he crashed out. Mark was delighted wasn't he when he came across the line in Aston to take second place you rarely see him celebrating it that much but how impressive is he right now at the beginning of the season we weren't expecting this were we him to have such a big lead at this point of the year nobody was and I don't think he was either Colin at the end of the day and arriving here at the Saxon ring with a record like he's got here as well I mean he hasn't been beaten here since 2010 if my records are, are right I mean the, the guy's been imperious here but I can't say, and it's great that we got Colin in today, I must say, because the, the, what I wanted to get to straight away, and you, you, you're right on it with Mark Marquez, great record and everything, but as we drove through the hills to get here and it's chucking it down with rain, it's dark, it's dank, I'm just thinking, turn 11, Michelin's, no running done here before. They've, we had everybody, every MotoGP rider on the card crashed at Assen at some stage of the weekend, all of them. Was that your stat, actually, Yeah, Gav? yeah. I'll yeah. take it. I'll well, take it. I'll, I'll wear it. it on the shoulder. I borrowed it from you. Was it? Was it you? Did yeah, you it is. That one out? Yeah, we've got asymmetric front tyres here this weekend for the first time for Michelin. This track's a, a tester, isn't it? When uh, the conditions are a bit tricky, as we sit here. It is. It's. Uh, I don't like it. I've, I've never liked this track. Uh, even though it's, you think you know, being American, left, left, you guys do nothing but turn left. You know, uh, <laughs> dirt tracking. Um, I've never gotten along with it. It's. Uh, it's just. Uh, it's a weird go-karty feel to it. You know, it never really kind of opens up. Um, but yeah, it should be, you know, getting back to Marquez, he's been after Qatar. I think we were all, I know myself, I was thinking this is not going to happen, mm. you know, with the bike and with the situation he had going on. Um, but he's been consistent and you, you know, that's with Marquez. I think he's actually matured. If, if I could say that, you know, I mean, he's won a couple world champ or however many, uh, but he's matured. He's, he's saying that ass and, you know, second place, that's good enough. I'll take the points. Yeah, Slot picks Slot. up points every race this year. I know there was Le Mans crash and he finished home. He's changed his attitude, hasn't he, this season? Slightly scary that the attributes you've just given the track, turning left and, and all the rest of it being a short track and you don't like it. Hodgie said exactly the same to me on the way in in the car um, a few minutes ago. I think the, the general consensus is that. And yet when you go to the press conference just a little earlier on, the dirt track turning left thing that you were taking the mickey out of a moment, not only an American can, of course, was something that Mark Marquez quite liked. Uh, it was a track that he gets on really, really well with. And uh, 
And the Honda, the fact that it doesn't chuck any power out at the moment, or not the right kind of power, to get it off the corners as well, he seemed to think that might level it out a little bit and be in his favour. Well, the Honda's always been good here because it does chunk the power out, you know, right off the corners, little stop-and-goes, squirt things. Um, and it's always been good around here at carrying the momentum around that long left. I'm pretty interested to see how this configuration, this bike, what they have, how it's going to work here, if it's going to be as dominant as, as it has been in the past. Yeah, as we talk about the Honda and how it's been impressive in the past, he won 10 on a, in, a, in a row in 2014. He got 13 wins that season. So what about what he's doing this year compared to a couple of years ago? Is it perhaps even more impressive what he's up to for me, in yeah. 2016? For me, yeah, maturity. Um, he's a different Mark Marquez, isn't he? He's just learned how to roll it off slightly. So we've lost the electronics that would have uh, controlled the motorbike in the past. Now it's uh, in his head, which is a bit old school, really, isn't he? The kid seems to be able to do whatever you really need to do on a motorbike. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's hard to be more impressive than he was, mm. let's say. Yeah. I mean, honestly... Um, but like you said, it is just a sign of maturity. You know, whenever you get to that point uh, and you push and you push, you either win or crash, win or crash. Uh, there comes a day when you say, hey, uh, if I wouldn't have crashed those two times, I would have had enough points to win that championship. And he's finally, I think, come to that realization. Um, Rossi was clearly livid after his crash, wasn't he, last time out? I just spoke to him earlier on as well, and he's still feeling it. He I, says, got, I got something with that. Go I on. got something with what? that. So they normally take, and this is, well, I don't know if he explained it in the press conference or not or, or, or throughout social media, but they normally take your split of your last, your third sector split, that's what they put on the board, which at that time would have been, I don't know, 1.8 or 1.6, whatever they put on the board. Um or, or 0.5. I don't know what the what it was. But anyways, that right past that split is where Dovey crashed. So then that extra second or 1.2 that he had on third place, that didn't show up on his pit board whenever he crossed it. It still said plus 0.6 or 0.7. So he's still thinking he had to push. Whereas if that says plus 2.1, you say, okay, you know, chill out, relax. That's when he said, I didn't realize I had the big mm. lead as I had. And a lot of riders were saying when they switched the softer tyre in the second half, it was pushing the front. Where the front tyre, it seems, in the wet was rock solid and could have done 200 laps, kept going. They all went out with the, the original fronts on there, but the softer rear was pushing. So he said, that's what he said, Dovey said. Everyone who crashed pretty much said, said that. Might not have been down to tyres as much as anything as well. That track seemed slipperier to me than it's ever been at Assen before. Assen used to have so mm. much wet weather grip. It there always was, did. There was no grip there. Yeah. It didn't seem to have grip anyway. No, that's what the riders were saying as well. But I don't think you can Blame the tyres though for that. I think there's something changed at Assen this this last mm. year. Well, do we think his title's done though? Is his goose cooked? No, we're halfway. It's only halfway this weekend. But he hasn't he hasn't won a, a championship before when he's had three DNFs. The last rider to, to win a championship with three DNFs was Mick Doohan. 1998. He's looked strong, hasn't he? Statistics. Yeah, he's hey, looked strong this year. It's fair uh, to say. Hey, okay, I've asked two people that are in the know. Okay, I'm not going to give up names, but I said, hey. Who is, in your opinion, the strongest person on the grid right now? Like all year, when you look at mm. around everything, both of them said Valentino. Yeah. Right now on the grid, he's the strongest guy. He's the most consistent. He's up to, up the front. Uh, you know, you look at some of the things, Mario Lorenzo's having trouble. So, I mean, when you look at all of them together, he's the strongest guy on the grid right now. But he didn't take his chance at Assen, and it could be crucial. Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. That's 25 points or 20 or 16, whatever. Anything's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, what happened to Lorenzo at Well, Assen? I tell you, there's something else we were discussing, on the, and it took us the three hours that we drove here to, to come up with no conclusion. He looked amateur. 
I've never seen a man of his quality, his stature, ride so badly in adverse conditions. I mean, we know, you know, that place with... It was slippery. It looked slippery. It looked treacherous. Everyone had been down. He'd been down. It's where he hurt himself before here as well. It's a situation where you just wonder what was messing with his head. But to have an off day that far off, I can't remember a rider of his quality having a day like that. And, I mean, honestly, I think this started in Barcelona. You know, uh, Barcelona was going downhill quick uh, whenever Iannone took him out. Um, And you as a rider, Keith, you know, I mean, as far as a bike setup, he sets the bike up completely different than myself or Valentino would. He puts a lot of weight on the rear, takes it off the front. That's just his riding style. Um, The Bridgestone wets, you could get away with it. He won races with it. Um, With the Michelin, if you noticed everybody that crashed there on the weekend, they lost the front. He went out the way he has his bike set up. He just has no feeling, no confidence whatsoever in the front. And in the rain, it just, it didn't come to him. Yeah. Remarkable, though, just how far off he was. Yeah, and he, he was actually lucky in the end to pick up six points because in the first part of the race, he was down in 20th and uh, it could have even been worse. But for all those crashes that we did see, one man who didn't crash out, though, and uh, who made the Honda work was Jack Miller. Jack Asson, <laughs> as Keith so finally put it at the end of... Uh, Stole it from you. Just got, well, it, no, got no, it out there got just it, before you. You had a chance to get the other power of the mic at that moment. <laughs> We've got, actually, I did an interview with him earlier on. It will be on uh, the BT Sport coverage this week. We're going to put the full interview out as a podcast next week as well, because I tell you what, it's a breath of fresh air. He's brilliant. He let, I had tears rolling down my face. I've never had that in an interview before. That boy is great. And did, What uh, accent did he have? I know it was his, full, he, he was on, his full foreign accent. He was, on, Cal Crush, no, no, he was on full Townsville form, oh, I have good. to say, to be fair to him. Uh, but uh, he showed his talent showed and, and I think uh, United the Paddock and people being happy for someone first independent winner since 2006 first Aussie for ages you know he broke a few, few records and proved a few people wrong over the weekend and in that race in particular and nobody knows how to party like he does I mean that whole team don't they they make us all welcome they make the whole paddock welcome and there's more hangers on in the Mark VDS team than <laughs> drinking gallons of beer after an event and that's the place to go ladies and gentlemen if you manage to get yourself in the paddock yeah we were uh, we were at Goodwood uh, you know and uh, we we're all gathered around the table Hayden and Spencer and I mean we're all just gathered around watching and it uh it was the whole everybody that had raced or ridden motorcycles at Goodwood. You know, all the old guys. Everybody there had a smile on their face. Everybody was happy for him. Um, we've known he's a talent forever. Uh, you know, as far as the the package and getting things right, we know the Honda's not the easiest bike to ride. Um, it worked for him that day. I think he's happy that it's happened. Obviously, take it with a grain of salt as well. Uh, the conditions that day on that track at that time, everything worked. Uh, he knows there's still a uh, you know still a big uphill battle to. But will Mar- Marquez give him a load didn't of need to beat him either, did he? Yeah, yeah, frank. Marquez didn't need. He to. took 20 points, and that's the new Marquez. Yeah. He'd have gone for the 25. Will, will he? Will he get confidence out of it though, Jack? Will we see? Because it was starting to creep upwards. He got his best result previously, uh, the time before, rather than Mugello or Barcelona. You know, he, man, I've I've ridden with a lot of Australians in my time, being Courser, Bayless, uh, you know, and got, uh, Goddard, and, and to name a few. You know, Gardner, uh, you can doing, go back as long as you like. It's pretty hard to knock the confidence out of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, this is coming from a Texan. It's start, pretty it? hard to kind of knock them down. They're just the way they're bred and the way that where they've come from. They're just automatically confident. 
uh, they, it's hard to knock them down. And I've never seen Jack in the dumps like, oh, man, I can't get this thing to turn. He, he's not like that. I mean, no Australians I know are like that. And he's still got an injury, of course. That he's still carrying parts of that leg that he, he did in a, in a motocross accident. So, I mean, he's not quite fully fit mm. either. And nobody, fit, apart from maybe the man you mentioned just then, Troy Corsa, he's about the only bloke I know that finishes a race like Jack Miller. He's got it stood on end. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a wheelie, it's, it's on end. It's a celebration, baby. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was great, I think. Uh, and as we said, all enjoyed it here. Who knows what could happen this weekend, depending on the weather. If we do have similar kinds of rain, similar kinds of weather, what do we make of the red flag that we got there? Starting again, the first part really only meant yeah, he only served to set up the grid for the second part of the race. So yeah. what do we think about that? Well, was it- I read some people saying they prefer the aggregate races mm. where you add it together. Absolute rubbish. That's the worst kind for teams, for riders, for everybody. To try and add up where you are, it's impossible. It's just a nightmare. A scratch race, everybody going for it. A race is a race. I mean, from, from my personal point of view, to go back to aggregate, yeah, because a lot of people nightmare. were saying you're right on Twitter. Were leaping on and saying, "I think we can, uh, you know, we can assume that everyone can work it out. The, the computers can do it quickly enough and let you know who's who, who's where on track." Yeah, but it's about the rider. Yeah. The rider and the team have got to work it out. They've got to give him enough. You heard a moment ago what Colin mm. said about Valentino being his board just out. Like, there's no ship to shore radio. They can't. They can't tell him it's not on the dashboard. The only thing they've got on the dashboard is is lap, lap times. Time. So at the end of the day, there's, there's not going to be anything there to say. Oh, you've got to speed up a bit to catch him. You're you're now four point two on aggregate off. It's going to fry your brain. Yeah, I mean, I've, you've done the aggregate. I've done the aggregate. Um, I I really, it's hard to keep up with. Uh, and as unfair as it may be at times, such as Aston, you know, you had guys that were out for, you know, it, I think it's still correct to kind of, okay, let's start over. You know, you got your grid positions. That's your little bonus for mm. doing what you just did and start the race again. Um, at Aston, it just so happened everybody chose the softer tire on the rear, which the bike reacts completely different. And it was kind of mayhem there for a little while. Got to go on to the Brits, and we have to mention Scott Redding, who had a great Aston podium there uh, for him, and a bit like Jack Miller, a big boost after what's been a tricky start to the season with uh, mechanical problems that he's had here and there, a few yeah. inopportune moments for him. Mizano last year, Aston this year. Um, he's going to be shortly be getting a name for slippy conditions, isn't he? But uh, same thing applies. It's a big boost to your confidence when you can bring it home and get it on the podium, that is for certain. Uh, and, and someone else who it could help him turn the corner because we've seen his pace in the dry as well. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, we know he's a talent. He's it, Right now, man, it's so hard to beat the top six bikes. We know that, okay? you got your two Yamahas, your Hondas, and your Ducatis. Um, in dry conditions, when everything's right, everything's perfect, it's really hard to, to get around and beat them. Uh, the rain is definitely an equalizer. At the same time, your factory guys that are up there in the points aren't going to take as much risk like we saw Marquez. They're going to say, I'll, I'll settle for what I can settle for, and... It equalizes everything, but it also gives your guys on the satellite bikes a boost like, hey, man, it's equal now. So if I push a little bit more, I might crash, I might win, in Miller's case. Uh, Bradley Smith, to move on to him, 13 for him. He had a crash, picked up, finished, I think, two or three laps down in the end. Um, bit unfortunate because it looks like we're starting to see the green shoots of recovery for Bradley. Long enough to go this year still. Uh, it's not over and done with yet, is it? We're only on round nine. We've got another nine to go after this one. So uh, I think this this is going to be a, a key issue as we go into the summer break. Seems really disjointed this year as well. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but the, you know the Euros have interfered with it. Wimbledon, football, yeah. Formula One. They've and all, the Olympics so, will. Yeah, so we've got, we've got two weekends off, then two weekends off, now three weekends off after this. Kind of loses momentum. You know, it's a, you've, you've even been 
I mean, you've been testing at Sepang, Colin. It's, it's tough when your mind's gone off the ball a little bit, even when you're on the periphery like we all are to a great extent now. But for a rider... I can't imagine how that feels when the momentum's took out of your ear. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you said, you know, you got the ball rolling and then, okay, okay, pause for a little bit. Uh, it's You just, you go home, you train, you do what you got to do, keep your head right and get back with it. Um, back to Bradley, I, I, that you were talking earlier, I think you have to understand when he got on Grand Prix bike, he got on Bridgestones. So he's known nothing but Bridgestones his whole career. Um, Espagaro on Bridgestones, you know, or Two of the top guys that I would say are struggling that were really good last year, Espigaro and Smith. Um, they just sometimes it happens. Whenever you change tires, you get one or two guys that just it takes a little mm. bit longer to adapt and understand the new rubber. Funny that that's in the same team though, isn't it? At the end of the day, you wonder how much of that is down to what resources they have within a team to overcome that situation. Because I mean, everybody struggled with the front end on those Michelin's when they first started testing them, but. Plenty of seem to. I remember your phrase actually. And I, I, again, talking with Hodgy on the way, we had such a long drive on the way here. Um, we were with talking Hodgy. That must have been terrible. Yeah, I'd have been asleep. <laughs> Hopefully, you would. Well, I've no, never seen a man on driving. his phone eating McDonald's driving. <laughs> I thought he was chiselled out of steel eating McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was going to say is that, that so many people have, have struggled with this Michelin this year. With a Michelin, you have feel. With a Bridgestone, it's faith. It's faith. But uh, I mean, it seems to prove the opposite as we've rolled on a bit, that Michelin doesn't seem to have the feel. People are crashing on that front end quite a lot. You know, I can't say anything bad about the tyre, obviously. Absolutely. Um, it's just different. You know, the, the Bridgestone, you could go in and you could overload everything and everything would work. Or the Michelin, you just can't overload it. You have to take what it gives you. It's funny that you just said that because I was just about to mention that Rossi was complaining about the brakes. He was saying it's just a bit too disjointed. You can't get on a roll. Bradley said the same thing, that he couldn't get on a roll and he wished there wasn't a brake here after Saxon ring. Valentino always just, just used that exact same phrase that the Bridgestone was all about faith. It was all about trust in the tie and the Michelin you got feel. And someone said to him, well, what about the crashes people have had on the front end? And he goes, yeah, but... The point is that the Michelin does go, whereas the Bridgestone didn't go it at never all. Did. But you could feel it, at, at least. Yeah, well, I mean, there used to be. I mean, I always remember Michelins. <laughs> we're going back to when they were probably more like solid tyres without air in them when I was riding on them. But at the end of the day, they had feel, you could feel the things working and how far you could go with it right to the very edge before it finally let go. Uh, it was a real... It had that kind of momentum, that kind of feel right the way through to the, to the limit. I'm wondering why so many riders are, are crossing that limit. Well, Bridgestones. Bridge, Bridgestones are... It's your, in their the, memories. The, the, this this is, it's this in their memories. This is what's happening. You know, you're, you're the Bridgestones, you could get away with murder. You could have 10 bar of pressure, 50 degree lane angle going in. It never moved. It was always there. Um, you can't do that. I mean, the, the, bridge, the, the Michelin, you simply, if you try too hard, uh, you can overload it. You know, and you over, once you overload it, then you, you, you have to let off the brake to turn but you're still going too fast. So you got to break some more and it just, it all compounds itself into losing the front end. Using the word compound, of course, on purpose <laughs> there, I'm sure. Uh, what about Cal Crutch? So while we're just on the Brits, someone else who looked like he was getting back to some semblance of his form. And then unfortunately, Aston came. Should go well here in Saxon Ring. We've talked about the Honda, uh, how, I, how it's gone round here. He's gone well round here. Podium I worry here. about this track this weekend. I really do. I think that with the weather it is, if it stays the way it is at the moment, the forecast is all over the place. We don't quite know what we're going to get come race day. You know, every single Grand Prix rider crashing uh, at, at Assam, fortunately most getting away with hardly any, any injury whatsoever. But uh, here, 
that turn 11 frightens the life out of me just standing there looking at it, let alone riding it. A couple of riders say turn one is, is also a sketchy one. Yeah, going, turn going over the crest. Turn one's pretty sketchy. Turn 11, I'm assuming, is this one the coming down the hill. The faster waterfall we'd call. Where you drop yeah, off the edge of a cliff. the worst corner in Grand Prix history uh, that I've ever ridden. I hate it. I can't stand it. And I was always slow through there. But just on Cal, are we going to see him? Yeah. Getting right back up there. So he was in Malaysia. He was with you, last wasn't he? Weekend, Japan, testing yeah. with me. Um, want, For Michelin uh, mainly. Um, I understand. Honda, Michelin, was, yeah. So yeah, he was doing a bit of both. Bit of he both. Was, a couple of runs, I think. Well, what he said to me, uh, Cal, was that it was Michelin that, that sent them over there. They tested some electronic things for, for Honda, but Michelin sent them over there mainly because they feel that the, the test rider at the moment they've been using isn't up to speed and they needed someone up there. He's got days left. Danny and Mark don't have many days left in terms of testing. It's good testing for Cal. And I mean, it's, it's the right time yeah. of the year when you've got that break. We were just talking about it. If you're losing momentum, if you've gone and done a proper test. Yeah, and you and Gav, you're absolutely accurate on that. Their, their test rider just it doesn't quite have the pace to, to get things done. Um, Cal, I won't tell you everything that was said, um, yeah. <laughs> obviously, but uh, they're struggling. You know, it's not a it's not a secret that uh, the Honda's not the best bike uh, out there at the moment, um, and he's struggling. And I think that test, you know, just laps on a bike and trying to figure out a couple of these electronics things, it'll help him for this weekend. It will help him. It's good faith actually being put in by HRC to to trust him to. to he do seems to have like a that. he seems to have a good relationship, I, doesn't he? With Shuhei Nakamoto, you yeah. see Nakamoto sat with him sometimes, and they they seem to have a good relationship. Um, Eugene Laverty, just uh, to touch on the Northern Irishman briefly, points run continuing. He He's putting himself in a shop window. We don't know where he's going to be next year. World Superbike. Uh, a lot of people say there's lots of offers from people in World Superbike. Anyone who doesn't have a two-rider team, they've offered him a, a ride, desperately. I can see that um, there's a good payday coming somewhere there. <laughs> There'll be that balancing act between what he's got available here and what, uh, what someone's right, prepared how, to pay. How old is Eugene? 29th. You know, I mean, I just, I don't know. I'd like to see him stay personally. I think, uh, you know, he's, 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 he's having his flashes, you know, of, of good races and, uh, and points and staying consistent. We know he's not on the best bike. Absolutely. Um, I'd like to see him stay. I think he's a hell of a talent. And I uh, would think he'd like to see him yeah, stay. I'd, but I'd, it all depends on what's... Uh, it's what's offered him, I think, yeah. in terms of what if Aspar stay with the Ducati, if they get a 16 or they get 116, 115.2, which is the talk at the moment. He doesn't want to be the one left behind his teammates. It's got to be the right bike at be. that age where he is at the moment. Yeah, exactly. It has to be. Well, fingers crossed. Hopefully we'll find something else out about uh, Eugene's future here this weekend in Germany. A couple of questions. We threw it out to you uh, at BT Sport. MotoGP on Twitter for you to fire through a few questions. So uh, Joe Don would like to know who you think at this point of the year, who's overperformed and who's underperformed? Across the board. Blimey. That's a hard question. That is a really hard question. You've stumped them, Joe, but uh, we're going to press them on it. The thing is, you've got to think about it because the the season's gone up and down for virtually everybody apart from Mark Marquez. Mark Marquez is overperformed. I think that's pretty clear, isn't it? uh, I think we can say that as a certainty. Do you agree with that I, I, one? I would say after Qatar, seeing what happened there, first race, I think he's – I would have never bet that he was leading the championship by 20-something points uh, come the halfway round. I, I would have definitely bet against that. Underperformed for me and, and looking to get a real smack on Twitter for this one, Bradley. Right. I, just, I really did think Bradley was going to go. He has made two step changes since I've been back in this paddock. Both of them positively. 2014, he stepped up. He went for it. 2015, he stepped up again. Uh, and, and this year, for whatever reason, I'm not blaming Bradley, but the, I think it's as much a team thing as I said earlier on. The fact that Paulus Bargro and he in the Tech 3 team have not 
stepped up with the new electronics and tyre package. That smacks to me as much of a, a team overall thing as much as it does a rider thing. But Bradley... Colin, I mean, I could, you? Uh, you know, I could say Bradley or, or Alex Espigaro. I think if you were going to look at the top teams, I would say Davizioso. Mm. Um, honestly, I think when you look at what he did last year, he was on the podium, on the podium. I mean, he had a really good run going there. So you would expect that bike just to get better, you know, and the results to get better. And I think... Um, it tailed off a bit last year as well, didn't it? After that great start. We know he's been taken out two or three times. But you're right, just, yeah, it just doesn't look like it's quite going to be there. Although Assen, again, it didn't look bad. He was on pole position. Yeah, true, true. So I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> more than me, me, more than me. Uh, yeah. Johnny O'Donnell wants to know about the ban on wings. Will this hit Ducati and Davizioso and Jorge Lorenzo hard? Who else will be affected? Do you know what? It's funny, isn't it? Because... There were certain journos, mentioning no names, Matt, that uh, were campaigning <laughs> like mad at uh, getting rid of the wings and saying how ridiculous they were and all the rest of it. And then the next piece I read recently this week, I think by the same journo, um, about how people were struggling to get the front end weighted and all the rest of it, which is exactly what the plan of wings were. I I'm actually slightly shocked that there's been a, a, a huge bit of momentum to try and ban them completely because I, I believe that prototype racing as this is, there are development areas that, that, that should be allowed. I think the problem has come is that they've, Ducati have overdone it a bit. If there'd been a, a maximum dimensional thing for the, <laughs> the overall motorcycle, you know, 600 mil wide by however many yeah. metres long and not above the front axle or behind the axle or whatever, whatever the actual parameters would have been, would have been a much more sensible way of doing this rather than say, we're banning aerodynamics. Do you know how thick that book's going to have to be to uh, cater well, that's to the a thing, ban? Because surely yeah. you turn the fairing into a exactly. wing. Into exactly a, my <laughs> point. Well, I have, some, I have some good, it's kind of disappointing, honestly, because this last week went to Malaysia track we know those problems we had there testing wings were on the bike I've never tested the wings never never had them on there uh, and then uh, showed up bike just had them on there went out oh we got this test it well how the hell do you test something when you don't know what it feels I hadn't been on a bike in four months so no baseline I, I no baseline I jumped on it did the whole you know couple days testing but we never took them off so I could actually get a back to back to understand it did I feel anything astronomical that, that popped into my mind from four months ago? No. I mean, honestly, I didn't, uh, it, I didn't even really notice. The, the fast ones are quite good for putting your coffee on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fast guy's going to be fast. And the bikes are going to, it's not going to adversely affect the Gatti that much. So what, what is this? Some kind of dark art and, and marketing bull that we're, we're, in, that we're suffering here. I mean, it must, it must do something. Ducati have got, Ducati, but then, Audi, what Audi I'm saying is they're not going to lose they? a massive advantage by not having wings on them. But the MSMA, I mean, what is the purpose of the MSMA? They couldn't agree, so they banned them. I mean, Ducati have put a lot of effort into this. And money. Uh, well, that's my, my effort <laughs> equals money mm. in, in, in racing. Uh, I, just, I just wonder, you know, whether it's a missed opportunity for something down the road as soon as you ban something. I mean, yeah. I, did, I did hear from the, from the hierarchy that they were, if they'd seen seamless gearboxes on the horizon, they'd yeah. ban them before they got here as well because of the cost element in it. I mean, I just worry that, that MotoGP is a prototype thing. And without doubt, seamless gearboxes will benefit, benefit road bikes in future. I'm not sure wings will, but... Yeah, instead of a $14,000 bike, you're going to have a $24,000 bike to buy. Um, I disagree with banning them, like he says. I think it's for it's the pinnacle, it's the top of the top prototype. Okay, yeah, diameters and dimensions and all that, we should probably get yeah. under control, but I'm, I'm all for them. 
Uh, and a final question from Kiko Giles on Twitter as well, at BZ Sport MotoGP. Would you rather see the German Grand Prix elsewhere? Kiko always comes up with something good, doesn't he? He's a youngster, this Kiko. He's going to be taken over from us in here one day. I know that. So um, thanks for your question, Kiko. We get him every week on Twitter. You can follow him as well, believe it or not. <laughs> he's, uh, he's definitely into the uh, more modern day communications. Don't know. Where would we go? Well, Hockenheim and Yeah, but Hockenheim, Ring, Hockenheim's but gonna, fine, but it's, it's really... Nürburgring's pretty much gone, isn't it? Nürburgring is... As a concern. I think, my opinion, the fans here are unbelievable. Well, this yeah. is it. it I well, don't think you can change it from here. I think the history yeah. of what we, what this place has offered for many years and what the fans have grown up with. I, I, I was here a few weeks ago with Phil Reed and uh, oh, he, took, he took me on a lap or I took him on a lap shall we say of the old circuit and, and some of the stories were fantastic so like Jim Redman who was here said there used to be 450,000 people you know, in the stands or well, no stands on poles they were on poles up in the air and the yeah. six sat at the top of these poles well, when it was behind the iron because curtain because it was behind the iron yeah. curtain and, and that's sort of a relic here in terms of the amount of people we get here over a race week well it's oh. the same with Bruno I mean the first time I raced yeah. at Bruno it was behind the iron curtain and that's uh, on a road circuit back then I mean, it is a fantastic bit. Hockenheim, they've, they've cut it all apart. I mean, yeah, Hockenheim isn't Hockenheim anymore. It's not. It's not. You know, that's your, that was the grandparents and the grandparents and the, and the aunts and uncles that are, you know, telling the kids now mm. the stories of, yeah, we used to do this. There are 400,000 people. So that's kind of that myth has built, you know, throughout the years. And I believe that's part of the reason why we still have a humongous crowd here. Yeah. And even though you don't like the track. Even though it's a pile of junk. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully it doesn't rain too much because I remember a few years ago the, the campsite's been washed away because of how much rain there was over a race weekend so it's on a hill you just want, don't want to be parked at the you, bottom yeah exactly you <laughs> want to be at the top although you've got further to go if you're at the top you're further <laughs> like the luge. down the hill um, Moto2 just quickly Taka Nakagami winning at Assen that was a victory that's been in the post for a while do you know what three new riders winning mm. three new teams winning in their classes Mm -hmm. well, I mean, Assen throws up something, doesn't it? it? It really does. I mean, Nakagami, he threatened it. The first year I came back, 2014, he looked like he was going to be the man that was going to be able to do it. Finally. Yeah, that year battling with Scott Redding and Paul Espargaro where he finished, I think, five second places in a row or something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, he's been there or thereabouts, hasn't he? Absolutely. We've know, we've said this forever, Nakagami, hot and cold. You never know. It just mm. depends on how the truck, you know, the, the bike comes off the truck. Um, but, yeah, for him to go out there and... Uh, he slayed it, you know. I mean, he killed it, and it was good for him. I, I feel better for Taddy than I do even for Nakagami. Yeah, I mean, Taddy Akara, it's just, it's just a few you know, less worry lines on that true. forehead, perhaps, for Taddy. Um, at the top, obviously, Zarkon Rin's tied on 126. Sam, Sam Lowe's on 121, just five behind. Pick a winner out of that three, if you will. Who I don't know. Speaking of Sam Lowe's, he was in the motorhome earlier. I'm talking about his, uh, I guess he went and tested the uh, he went to the, the tested Aprilia, Aprilia and Mizano, yeah. Pretty lengthy conversation. He, he the first thing he it. said, he said, my arms, my arms are a little bit longer. I was like, I didn't get it. And he goes, yeah, that MotoGP bike's pulling my arms out of the socket. <laughs> so uh, good on him. Um, but yeah, five points behind. I th you know, this is the time. We, we always say that this is the time you got to, you know, hunker down, but uh, be in the midway break. You just don't want to do anything stupid, you know, stay in the battle. We asked the questions of Zarco last year, didn't we, before the midway break? Was he going to be able to carry that momentum past the summer break? He did. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhat awesomely. 
So it's important, isn't it, to get the result here? He actually, Sam, uh, Alex Rins, and Takanakagama, the only three to have scored points in every round. That's been crucial so far. So, as you say, important to bring home points. In Moto 3, we mentioned those uh, three new winners. Peko Benyaya there, new winner in Mahindra as well. Another one where the victory was long overdue, well deserved. For him and Factory. Uh, the Factory, I mean, you could see a tear in the eye of the Factory. A lot of Factory personnel, Mahindra personnel at the track last time out. Um, new gearboxes this weekend. John McPhee, 22 today. Happy birthday, birthday today. John, yeah. Happy birthday, John McPhee. He'll get a new gearbox from Mahindra for his Peugeot because um, they've all got to have the new new gearboxes fitted. If one gets them, they all get them, of course. That's part of the rule for Motor 3. But it's going to be really interesting whether this is the time of Mahindra. Is this going to be the factory that's going to start sticking it to Honda well, and KTM? Well, Vanyaya has been up there without that. I mean, But he's, he's been the only one virtually. He's a demon, though, isn't he, yeah. on the brakes? He, that, that, he looks good. I think of all those coming through the VR46 Academy... You know, okay, we've seen Bulliger, he's been... But Benyaya's been there regularly now for the last couple of seasons uh, on a, a bike which perhaps isn't as yeah, solid I, as the Honda or KTM. I think we've been seeing it happen all... You know, it's been coming all year, and we finally saw it at Aston and see him win. And it was in dry. Uh, Brad Binder in 12th place, but uh, he does like it here. Still got 48 points uh, ahead of Jorge Navarro, uh, who, well, I have to say, only lost four, actually. He's going to be here, isn't he? Yeah. Jorge, he's going to be watching, but not riding. Or is he riding? Well, I'm not. I really don't know yet. I don't know what the situation oh, is. Oh, well, there you go. I know, I know he's going to be here, but I wasn't sure. So we'll have to wait and find out tomorrow morning. Uh, when we are live, of course, on BT Sport 2. That's going to be at 8 a.m. in the morning. Probably 5 to 8, actually. I've had a few people tell me uh, that they've set the recorder for, for 8 a.m. 5 to 8, it will be Friday morning for the first practice for Moto3. Then, of course, as well, throughout the whole weekend on BT Sport 2. Uh, and make sure as well you download our review podcast following the race here in Germany. And remember, you can uh, watch every session live, including the warm-ups here. Thank you very much, Keith. Cheers, Colin, as well. I hope you have a, a great weekend. And thank you very much for listening. We'll speak to you after the race. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 